We've got the air conditioning cranked up in this room. You guys can decide back there if you want to close the windows or if that'll make you hotter. I don't know. I don't know if this will get back there or not. So, and you can decide whether you want to turn the lights on so you can see your Bibles a little bit better. I would think that would probably be a good idea. You know, most of us just show up here. But a few of us, a few people, come early or stay late. And so I want to say thank you to those people who come and do sound, do announcements, do worship. You know, that food just doesn't show up on Tuesday night. People go out and shop for it, and then it comes. They take hours and set up, and then people stay later. And and then somebody puts together the announcements and hands it to Brandon. So there are a lot of people. So let's just say thank you to all those who, who serve. Maybe, maybe at some point you're saying, you know, I'd like to be on a team like that. We don't, we, we don't highlight those who speak. This, this isn't the high point of finally getting up here so you can speak. The high point is the low point. Jesus said, okay, if you want to be great, learn to be the servant of all. That's what we highlight. That's what's important to us. If we can learn how to serve, we're, we're getting it. We're getting what Jesus said about leadership. So that's what we like to highlight. Uh, ben suggested that the floor may be a little damp. It may be a little slippery. So uh, you might want to watch your step on the tile. There's a wedding coming up in about three weeks, and uh, if there are a couple people who would like to serve at that, come and talk to me next couple days. There are two communities, uh, two places that are potential places for community. There's uh, guys, if you're a guy and you're interested in community with Christians, you could talk to me or email me. And there's a, a, a gal's home. They're looking for one more person, so... If that interests you, Sunday at 1230 right here, we have our first Harvest Project meeting. If you're uh, already involved in it, uh, we want you to come uh, at 1230. Or if you're thinking seriously about it, I'd like you to talk to me. A lot of people are talking to me here. Okay. But if, if, you, are, if, if you feel called to change, if you're a game changer... And you know, you know that. You know you're called to make a difference. We want you to think about that. Okay. A few years ago, a group of us from here went down to Brazil. And I know on that particular trip, I know you were uh, with us, Clint. And there was a guy down there who was a sold-out follower of Jesus. I can't remember his name. Do you remember who I'm talking about? Tall and really bold, getting on buses and going after people and, and having people come after him and, and, and uh, rough him up. But he couldn't be turned off. However, it was only a few years before that that on Saturday night he would live any way he wanted to, drunk and sleeping with people 
And then Sunday morning, he'd put on his suit, he'd grab his Bible, he'd go and play the drums at his church. He told his pastor about this. His dad was also a pastor, but not the pastor of this church. His dad was a bishop. And he told this pastor, and the pastor said, hey, you're, you're a young adult. wasn't too long after that that an evangelist saw him carried his Bible. And he said, young man, put your Bible away because you're going to hell and I don't want you to take the Bible with you. Now, before I tell you what happened, you tell me who showed love to him. The pastor or the evangelist? Are you willing to show love that way? Why is it hard to give a hard word? Just think about it and tell me. Why is it hard? Pardon? People get offended. There's a guy that comes to this community two days ago that gave a, a word to a guy that used to come here. And he went after him with profanity and he said, I'm going to hit you. He went after him. This friend, many of you know him, just put his hands up and said, okay. And he stopped and he said, I love you. Five seconds later, he started spewing out profanity again. You want that? Why else is it hard to give hard words? Pardon? I'm sorry. Yeah. There's gonna be there's gonna be something something that's gonna hurt. We don't want to look bad, and we may be wrong, and and we want to be nice. Christians are nice, so it can be hard to give hard words. I'm talking about that tonight. Just remember this first illustration. That hard words are a token of love. Say that. Now, I'm obviously not talking about words that you make up. You know, just you want to hit somebody hard, so you give them a hard word. But if God assigns you to give a hard word, it's, it's a sign of love. If you see a, a person going in a canoe and you know that there's a, a block away, there's a waterfall, would it be kind to give them a warning? You wouldn't have a choice, would you? You'd do everything you could to stop them. Child runs out in the street. You're going to say, look out! You're going to warn them. I was warned by my dashboard just as I was, uh, was going out to the high desert with Karen, and we were almost at the top, and I had a warning flashing at me. And I said, I think we can make it to the top because then we'll coast down. I didn't heed the warning, and I didn't drive that car home. I blew the head gaskets. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever felt like giving a hard word that you believed the Lord wanted you to give, but you didn't give it because it was you knew it was going to be hard to receive? Raise your hand if you can remember. Look at all those hard words that could have 
rescued somebody, perhaps. How about, have you been on the receiving end of hard words? <laughs> the hands were already starting to go up. And it was hard to receive, but you, you received it and you were grateful because it changed something in you. That's good that you can receive love as it comes to you that way. Bible says that for uh, John 1, 14, the word became flesh, full of, full of grace and truth. In 1 John, we're told two powerful things about who God is. Chapter 1, God is what? Chapter 1 of 1 John, God is light. And in Him is no darkness at all. Truth is light. Light exposes. You can see things better with light. You're beautiful. It's her birthday tomorrow, isn't it? And it's Steve's birth, Stephen's birthday today. Happy birthday, Stephen. Yeah. So, God is light, and then God is love. Which, which generally, if, he's, if Jesus is full of truth and grace, don't answer this question quickly, because you may be wrong. Which usually comes first, truth or grace? I'm going to answer it quickly. It depends. If someone comes to me and they think they've committed the unforgivable sin, I'm not going to give them a warning. What am I going to give them? That's for sure. They need comfort. They need assurance. They need love in that form. If someone is treating sin casually, what what are we going to give them? And we hope that they're able to receive it. I'm talking about truth, warnings tonight. And it's a sign of God's love and God's care. It may not look like it. Some of you may react, but it's a sign of God's love. Do you know any churches that are so strong on truth? They've got a lot of truth and a little grace. Do you know any, any churches like that? They're just doctrinaire. You can feel the doctrine as you come in there, but you don't sense a lot of love and a lot of care. Anybody shaking? I can see a few heads bobbing. I know of a couple here in the Twin Cities. I don't want to go there. I know of churches that picket every chance they get, and you see it in the news, don't you? They're just angry people, hostile, and they're picturing a God who's a monster. And we don't want to do that. I know some churches, man, they just major on grace. Grace, grace, grace. Like this pastor said to our friend, lots of grace. The Evangelical Lutheran Church in America has some churches like this. They're full of grace. And grace without truth is reduced to sentiment. Truth without grace is brittle, 
hard to receive. It's obnoxious. Over here, we, we move, we move toward legalism. Over here, we move toward license. Grace without truth moves toward license. In fact, in Jude 4, this verse was quoted in here recently. They are godless men who change the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Lord Jesus, our sovereign and Lord. Jesus gave people both grace and truth. And my, my desire is to be full of grace and full of truth. But it always doesn't, it doesn't always come in the same package. As Larry said to me once, my mentor, he said, when you preach, you don't have to give the full counsel of God in one message, but over time, you'll see it. So sometimes we're focusing more on truth and sometimes more on grace. But we need to know that Jesus is full of grace and truth and we need both to stay in line so that we don't fall off the horse. We can fall off the horse on either side, liberty or legalism. And so I'm sharing with you some hard words. And as I looked at these again, I was amazed at how, how little I think about these words. They're certainly not words that are in our Bible packets that we find in the kitchen. We don't memorize these words because they're hard and they seem harsh and they almost seem out of character. I'm reading all from the New Testament, starting with the words of Jesus Christ. And what's my purpose here tonight? My purpose is that you'll embrace the word of God in its totality. That you won't go beep, beep when you, when you hit one of these and just pass by it, which I'm sure you do because I've done the same thing. I want to anchor on these words as a part of the counsel of God so that it may give me understanding about how love expresses itself, divine love, in situations where I need help and I may need a warning. And some of you tonight, you need a warning. You don't need comfort. We all have times where we need comfort. But if a blind man is going to a cliff, he does not need comfort. He needs a, look out! Some of you need a, look out! Because you're losing control. Anybody ever heard of buckthorn? Buckthorn was indigenous to England. They brought it over because they thought it would make a nice bush in America. It's totally out of control. I was warned by two people, a missionary and uh, Jerry Beelby uh, in biology over at Northwestern, told me to get rid of it, Paul. I waited for four years. It got much worse. You helped us get it out, didn't you, Ben? My sons helped get it out. It took months, and now it's back again. We got it back on our the, the bottom, all kinds of it. It's hard to root out. It's like sin in our lives. It needs to be attended to. So I'm just going to share with you some scriptures from New Testament, starting in Matthew. Matthew chapter 5. This is the Sermon on the Mount. I challenge you to read it. I've, I've numbered how many times there is a very strong warning in, in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. I'm not going to tell you the count I've got. I'd like to hear from 
you tell me next week what, how many you think there is in Matthew 5 through 7. Right in chapter 5, Jesus is taking the law to a new level. When he says, you have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in in his heart. That pastor would have said anyone who looks at a woman, it's just natural. That's what he would have said. Jesus, the good shepherd, the son of God, the holy one of Israel, said that's not right. And then he goes on and he says, And if your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. That's Jesus who is saying this. Anybody memorize that? It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown in hell. He is saying that sin is serious enough that it could take you to hell. I want to heed that warning. I want to be sensitive to the Spirit of God and sensitive to the conviction of the Holy Spirit so that I'm not casual with sin. And Jesus is looking at me and saying, what do you do? You need a warning, Paul. You're getting casual. That pastor would have said, if you're right, I offend you. Try the left. Don't worry about it. Let me say something. If your computer is messing you up, Go up to a third-story building and and throw it down. It would be far better than to get your emails done and miss the big party. If TV is messing you up, deal with it. That's what Jesus is saying. Go to whatever whatever, uh, extent you need to go to deal with it, up to the point of cutting off your hand or gouging out your eye. Jesus, the Son of God, said that. What about Paul? Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And just so you know, I'm not, I'm not angry at all when I say this. Karen and I have a desire to raise up and release young adults into their God-appointed destiny. That's our mission for the rest of the time that we've got here. And so we want to see you going forward. It hurts me when I think of this young man that my friend addressed, and he's not doing well because I know him well. He was here two weeks ago, and he he's struggling. I had a guy in my church that was in the hospital dying of AIDS, I administered to him. The other pastor had led him to the Lord. And I said, I want to come and see you. He said, no, I don't want you to. Didn't feel good. We look out at a crowd like this, and if it just go on statistics, some of you won't make it. That's not a happy thought. So if I see you in a place where you shouldn't be, by God's grace, I'm going to warn you. I pray God forgive me for all the warnings that I have not given that I should have. May God forgive the church. May God forgive nice pastors who have not warned, but have simply given positive words to save their own skin rather than speak the truth that devastates in the moment but may turn. My friend 
couldn't break that. My Brazilian friend, those words cut him to the heart. And within, I believe, it was days or weeks, he repented and changed completely. And he's radical for Jesus. Hal Lindsey, who wrote Late Great Planet Earth, was a riverboat pilot. And a man on the Mississippi said, young man, you have nothing to look forward to except the wrath of God. He said that to him as he was walking away. He couldn't shake those words. Now, are you ready to give that kind of word to somebody if they need a warning? If they need a warning, they may not need nice, which is what we're tempted to give to them. What is love? Truth exposes, and then love embraces. And Jesus gave both. To the woman caught in adultery, that really looks like a frame-up, because where's the guy? What's this all about? And so what did Jesus start with? He started for her with what? Grace. What do you say? I don't condemn you. Here's the one person who could have condemned her to death. And he said, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. My, that's a pretty strong word. You can receive grace, then you can handle the truth. If you can accept the truth, you're ready to receive the grace. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple? And that God's spirit lives in you. An incredibly profound word. Just pause for a moment and think about it. You play host to God the Holy Spirit. I start with my prayers there in the morning. I start by thanking the Holy Spirit that he's sanctifying me, that he's giving me love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, tenderness, faithfulness, and self-control. I thank him that he's releasing the gifts of the Spirit, and I name those. I thank him that he's sanctifying me, he's teaching me, he's guiding me, he's convicting me. He's within me, and I want to recognize his presence, and I go to Jesus and the Father. The Holy Spirit is in your body. It can't get more wonderful than that. What a mystery. Now, what does he go to say? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will forgive him. You know, you might think that's the way it's going to end, but it says if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. Hey, I don't want a friend destroyed. If I see somebody messing with the temple, I'm going to tell them. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you show love? If someone was about to destroy something and then, and then get destroyed, just flip over to 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9. Do not be deceived. We're going to hear that a couple other places. We're going to hear it in Galatians. God is not mocked. We can, be, we can mock God in the way we live and say, No, grace gives me freedom. Grace gives you power not to sin. Grace is not permission to sin. Grace overcomes sin. We're not talking about the need for forgiveness. 
my kids, when they were younger, when I'd, I'd catch them hitting somebody, and they'd say something like this. They'd go, well, I said I was sorry. As, as if what I wanted as a father was a confession, that that was the high, that was the pinnacle, a confession. What's the pinnacle? It's obedience. It's transformation. It's doing what I say. It's honoring me as a father. We're talking about more than forgiveness. Grace doesn't stop with forgiveness. Grace is power. Grace engages you. You said it. You'll say it next Sunday. Romans 6.14 For sin will have it will not be any master over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. Grace puts you on top of sin rather than sin on top of you. Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, then it lists a bunch of sins, will inherit the kingdom of God. Oh my. I want to learn how to warn people. Over in verse 18, flee from sexual immorality. Look at me for a second. Flee from sexual immorality. We do not flee from Satan. What do we do? We resist. We stand. And having done all, to stand. I'm not going anywhere, Satan. And finally, he leaves. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. What do we do with the lure of sin and lust? We get out of there. Just like Joseph. He ran. I'm warning you. I'm warning some of you who are dabbling. Flee. Don't stick around. If you're in wrong company, it's, it's corrupting your morals, drop them. If the is it music you're listening to or the things that you're watching is corrupting you, get out of there. Don't mess with it. It's not worth it. It'll destroy you. And he's talking to Christians here, isn't he? Chapter 10. Bunch of things that he says from the Old Testament. Verse 6. Now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. So it's teaching us. Do not be idolaters as some of them were. We should not commit sexual immorality immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. We should not test the Lord as some of them did and were killed by snakes. And do not grumble as some of them did and were killed by the destroying angel. And some say, well, that was in the Old Testament. God's nicer now. One little girl said, when they asked her about all those things in the Old Testament, she said that that's before God became a Christian. (laughs) And so God's nice. He's easy, right? He's easy on you. Wait till we get to Hebrews. If you think he's, he's hard on the law and he's easy under grace, it is just the opposite. Because grace takes us to blamelessness. We sang a song tonight about being blameless. And I prayed for that. I pray it almost every day. Because God calls us to that. He calls us to holiness and blamelessness. Am I there? Ask my wife. Ask my kids. Far from it. 
The closer you get, the more light you see, and the more light shines on you, the more you realize you're not there yet. But we set a high standard. I don't want to play for a coach who says, let's go out there and get them. This, this year, we're going to have a good year. I think we'll, we have a chance of winning maybe four out of ten games. Let's go out and play mediocre. Come on, come on. God calls us to blamelessness. He calls us to perfection. And then he pours his Holy Spirit into our body. And then he gives us his grace that empowers us not to sin. Is that possible? Well, a little girl asked her dad, is it possible not to sin for a month? And he said, of course not. What about for a week? No. What about for a couple days? No. One day? No. What about for an hour? He said, yeah. She said, well, I'm just going to live hour by hour for Jesus. She was smarter than her daddy. These things, verse 11, these things happen to them as examples. And they're written down as warnings for us. Did my best to find all the warnings of the New Testament. As I read them, I said, I'm sorry. Sorry. I haven't even been aware. I didn't even know how many warnings there were. Heather, our uh, daughter-in-law, was warning her three-year-old daughter, Avon, don't go near the water. You know why she did? Because her parents' neighbor, a little girl, wandered out, died. How tragic. And so they were warning Avon, don't go near the water. Avon said, it's okay, Daddy, I can swim. She's three years old. She's had two lessons. Uh, they're going to still warn her. They're going to keep warning her. Because that's love. You ch- what you cherish, you warn. Galatians 5, this wonderful passage about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Just before he gets to the fruit, he said, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Good for us to hear a word like that, to give us sobriety. The Bible says we need to be sober for our prayers. And I love joy. And we prayed for joy. We've had joy here tonight. Love the time of worship. Joyful worship. Worship in joy does not preclude sobriety. We need to be sober in this world because of the devastation and because the enemy is taking people out. And I was taking out the buckthorn as I was cutting it. I'd get up early in the morning. I'd go out and I'd cut it down. And Karen could hear me shouting. I was shouting because I knew of pastors who were on the way out who were ruining their lives. And I was praying for God to restore them and for them to come back to a place. And I gave some warnings. And yesterday I gave a warning to a former leader in Finland who thinks he's in restoration. He's in England. And I wrote him and I said, you're not even close to restoration 
For you to be in restoration, you have to go back and face what you did to the people that you devastated, who trusted in you, you violated their trust, and you escaped like a coward to England. You must go back if you're in restoration, because right now you're not in restoration. I hope he heeds it. I don't think he will. In Ephesians, it's in every letter. But among you, those are two strong words, among you, Ephesians 5, 3, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality. Oh God, would you do that among us? Beloved, I don't know of a church where there's not a hint of sexual immorality. Do you? I don't know if that exists. Wouldn't that be wonderful if we had it here? Wouldn't it be wonderful if we were so open to the Spirit of God and open to the warnings of brothers and sisters as well? Warnings isn't all. It's only part of the message. Affirmation. We should be giving a lot more affirmation than warnings, obviously. But what would it be like if we were living holy blameless lives and there wasn't a hint of immorality. God, God, bring us to that. Bring us to that place. What a wonderful thing. I'll just, there are a lot more that I could share, but I'm not going to because we're going to get into ministry soon. Uh, I'll just read a couple in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 13. Marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure for now, what's going to come after that? There are those that say there's no present judgment, for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Writer of Hebrews knows how to warn. Chapter 10. He says, if we sin deliberately and, and then... 10.26 on how much more severely. See, under grace, it's stronger. When God is pouring out his love and we're filled with the Holy Spirit and his grace is empowering us, we, we rise to a higher standard. we got a better coach. we got things going on in our life that produce in us strength that they never knew about in the Old Testament. And so the standard is raised. It's not goes down. Same thing happens in chapter 12 of Hebrews. Verse 25, see to it that no one refused him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? Oh God, as you warn us from heaven, we want to hear your warning. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. That's fear. For our God is a nice friend. He is. But it doesn't say that here. It says he's a consuming fire. And I think that was taking them back to that Old Testament mountain, Mount Sinai, that shook. It was on fire. It was trembling. And then God spoke, and they were all afraid. Even Moses said, I exceedingly tremble in fear. 
God was putting on quite a show, and he's now saying he is, he is the fire. He is the consuming fire. And so we stand in awe of him. And we're not casual about sin. We're not, he, he's not a wimp. He's not a permissive father with disobedient kids that he can't control. He's a holy father who is calling his children to obedience and faithfulness. And he will have his way. I am not going to mess with that. I'm going to pray, God, forgive me for where I've stepped over the bounds and allow me by your grace and your empowering Holy Spirit to live today in a way that pleases you. Keep my eyes where they need to be. Keep my heart the things that honor you. Because I don't want to come under your judgment, your wrath. I want to receive your love and your grace. Young adults perhaps ask me as much as anything, how do I find out my will? Paul says in 1 Thessalonians, this is the will of God for you, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. Paul keeps coming back. Why? Is sexual immorality worse than other sins? Maybe. It doesn't say it is, but it's always listed, almost always, with, with one or two exceptions, almost always at the top of the list that Paul and others give. So there's something about it because it devastates us and not just others. I'm not going after anybody tonight. I'm, I'm, I, I, don't, I don't have any stories that I'm, I'm saying this to, to put an edge on my words to go after anybody. I'm going after you. So that you can take this message in like I have taken it in. And it sobered me. I'm going to live in a way that honors God. What's my goal? It's not happiness. Just give you a couple things before we go to prayer. Don't make your goal happiness. Make it holiness. I was once talking to a lady who was divorcing. And she said, there's grace for that. I said, there is not grace for that. There's grace for overcoming, not grace for permission. She said, I have a right to be happy. I said, no, you don't. You have a right. You have a responsibility to be holy. I say the same to you. You have a call on your life. You're holy. And God will produce it in you. He'll make it happen. I can't make it happen. And so I surrender to a God who makes it happen inside of me it's so wonderful what he does in us second thing is i want to i want to grow in a godly fear and it's fear it's not a fear that that uh, pushes me away from him but a fear that draws me into his love martin luther in the meeting of the of the 10 commandments said we should fear and love god so that Fear and love go together. I'm going to keep truth and grace before me, both of them. Truth and grace. I want to walk in the light, and I want to be embraced by love. I don't want to have the kind of grace that that gives me freedom to do whatever I want to do. I want the grace that empowers me. Don't you? Say amen. Leaders. Those of you that are called to lead, you have an even higher standard. James 3 says it. 
a prophet from England when I was a young adult youth pastor said to me after a meeting once, she said, Paul, others may, you can't. Didn't understand what it was at first. But as I thought about it, I came to realize that what that was saying is that God was putting a harness on me. And he wouldn't let me do what others had the freedom to do. Because he was putting a yoke so that I would learn obedience. And by God's grace, I didn't, I didn't try to throw that off. I understood it. And when people in college did things that I didn't, didn't feel I could do, I didn't. And they tried to bring me into it. Just said, no, I'm not interested. going to ask you some questions now. As God gives you grace and by the working of the Holy Spirit in your life, can you say tonight, I am willing to receive the hard words and the warnings of Scripture in my life? I'm asking you. I want to hear. I want. I want to hear. I want to hear your response. Okay. Okay. As God empowers you and gives you grace, are you willing, as you see the need in a brother or sister that you love, are you willing to speak a word of warning? about the rest of you. I didn't hear everybody respond. I want to hear it. Okay. I'm going to ask one more question, and this is a real hard one. And the thing that I appreciate, one of the many things I appreciate about being here in this environment is that there's a vulnerability, there's a transparency, there's an honesty that sometimes shocks me because I didn't find that in the church where I was pastor in California. I'm a Lutheran pastor. I was there for 25 years, and I didn't see the kind of openness and vulnerability that I see here. That when we say, any of you working through some sexual additions, raise your hand so we can pray with you. And no one looks around. I'm, I'm blessed by that, surprised by it. Here's what I'm going to ask you. I ask you to raise your hand. If you are in a place tonight of imminent danger, either you have stepped over the line and it, in the immediate, I'm not talking about last week or last month or last year or 10 years ago. I'm talking about if you're right there, it's fresh with you. Or you're at the edge Like I've dealt with people before who were considering an affair. I had a pastor friend who, whom God gave discernment to see when people in his congregation were considering affairs. A lot of people do. They just fantasize about that possibility. So I'm saying if you're either at the edge or you know you stepped over and you need something tonight to pull you back, what we're going to do is if there are people that 
say yes, I'm just going to invite people to pray with them one-on-one and and help them. Because we're about helping people. We're not about shaming anybody. This wouldn't be a shame thing. I'd really be happy if some were willing to say it because I know there are people here who are at that point. They're at the edge. Or they've stepped some over in some way. So we want to take care of you. Raise your hand if, if that's you. Okay, here's what I want you to do. If you can if you can make your way through here, and as they do, guys, start making your way through. I want some of you leaders to team up with one of them each and just go with them. Go on through. Gals, the same way. If there's a, a gal... You heard the message. You heard the message. You got it. Way to go. Okay. We need some gals now. Some more gals. Isn't this wonderful that this can happen? That God can have his way in our lives. That we can be cleansed. feel like clapping for them, you know. I just feel like, way to go. Could you could you go and see if they need more people up there? Help? I, I don't know if there are enough people that Because there are about 20 or so that went. I don't know if enough people. Well, if there are a couple more more leader types who know how to do ministry who could who could go that'd be good let's pray you love us in so many ways How kind of you to love us with affirmation, with discipline, with warnings, with silence, with touches, with healing. We want to take it in. We want to receive from you tonight. Sober us, Lord. Sober us, O Lord.
now into a prayer room find one other person to pray with and pray over something that you heard that you received tonight it might be a confession it might be saying I'm sorry God or it might be a, a word of thanksgiving it might be something that where God has taught you this and you're walking in it and you know it's simply by his grace that it's happening no credit to us right if God's allowing us to walk in that way, and we say, thank you, Jesus. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. So we're going to pray. We're going to take a little while there. And we'll have people up in the front who are available to pray with you if you need someone else to pray. And then we'll have our newbie meeting. After a few minutes, we'll let you know. If you're new here, you'll be meeting upstairs. Or if you want ministry extended ministry upstairs or something about the Holy Spirit be filled with the Holy Spirit we'll be ready to pray for you there so just turn right now just turn find somebody near you somebody that you can pray personally with if you don't have somebody it's legal to move find an, an, another place so go ahead and, and uh, begin to pray this will not be fellowship time. There's food upstairs. We'll be fellowshipping in a little bit. But for now, we're in a prayer mode. So thank you for honoring that.